0: Okay, starting the Mishnah and Daphman Beis Maraf forty two A at the bottom of the page. If you make a Bayer on the wine that you drink before washing Hamadzi, the custom in those days was that before Hamitzi they would actually drink some wine as an appetizer. They would also eat some foods. Rashi explains they would eat some, you know, maybe some hors d'oeuvres of fish and, and um and chicken cutlets or something of that sort before the meal. So if you make the Bracha on the wine before the meal, then the wine that you drink at the end of the meal, forget the wine you drink during the meal, even the wine you drink right at the end of the meal before benching, they would eat a little bit of a dessert before benching. And together with that dessert, they would drink some wine. So the wine that the bracha that you made on the beginning of the meal before before even washing will exempt the bracha on the wine that you would have to, you should have had to have made before benching. So when you make the bracha before Hamaitzi, then it even exempts the wine that you're going to be eating later on in the meal, even up until the end of the meal. And how about the parparas, these appetizers that you would eat before washing, hamotzi? So you would eat some appetizers, you make a shahakal, right? So you, that shahakal that you make, patres parperas, that exempts the bracha that one would have to make on the appetizers that one would be eating before benching, right? This dessert appetizers that one eats before benching, they would be exempted by the blessing that you made on the shahakal at the beginning of the meal. Now, technically speaking, once you wash hamotzi, you exempt yourself from all blessings on food that you eat during the meal. But the parparas, the appetizers, the dessert type of item that one eats at the end of the meal are not considered to be exempted by the hamotzi blessing because it's not considered to be part of the meal. It's, the, it's after the meal is really finished, even though it's before benching. So therefore, it would not have been exempted by the hamotzi, by making a hamotzi on bread. And therefore, one would have had to have made a separate bracha. But because you made a bracha before the meal, a separate bracha on the appetizers before the meal, that bracha is going to even cover that which you eat at the end of the meal ala pas Let's you make you will exempt the parparis, you will exempt the appetizers. But if you make a bracha on the on the appetizers, that will not exempt the bread. Veshamayim says. says, and also it will not exempt the maisikadera. Rashi explains the parich that we've been talking about earlier. These uh, you know grits type of food is not exempted by the blessing that you make on. Something, it's unclear The Gemara is going to describe what exactly the question, what exactly the point of argument is between Beishamai and the original point in the Mishnah. If everybody's sitting down and eating together, then each person makes their own blessing. let's say they're reclining together, that signifies it's more of a significant meal and it's defined as a su'das keva, as a large, as a meal that people are doing together as one group, then one person makes a blessing for everybody. But if they're just sitting together, then that's more of a quick eating, and therefore they will not make one blessing, should not exempt everybody else. Each person should make their own blessing. Turning the page now. If wine comes to them during the meal, each person makes their own bracha. If the wine comes to them at the end of the meal, then one person makes a bracha for everybody. And also, the one who makes the bracha on wine at the end of the meal. He also, he also is going to be the one now who makes the bracha on the mugmar. Ash explains the mugmar is they would bring some sort of good-smelling spices at the end of the meal, and one person would make a bracha of uh, whichever bracha it is, and that bracha would be exempting everybody else. The chiddush of this is that even, though, that even though he just made a bracha on the wine, once he makes the bracha on the wine at the end of the meal for everybody else, he also is the one who gets the privilege of making the bracha on the spices. Now, even though they only bring the mugmar at the end of the suda, still the bracha that he made on the wine at the end of the suda also exempts, not, sorry, not exempts, but that also gives him the privilege of making the bracha on the mugmar, on the spices as well. The whole halacha that making Kiddush, not, sorry, not just making Kiddush, but any time that you drink wine at the beginning of the meal, that exempts the wine at the end of the meal, Right? The reason why that is, is only when it is Shabbos or Yom Tov. Why? Because on Shabbos and Yom Tif, when you sit down to eat and drink, you understand that you're gonna be drinking wine during this meal. But Aval Yomai the rest of the year, Mavarech HaKal Kais the rest of the year, typically people don't drink a lot of wine during the meal. They might drink a little bit of wine, they might drink some wine at the beginning of the meal, but that will be it. So they'll drink that wine at the beginning of the meal, they'll make a Hagafen. If they then decide later to drink wine in the middle of the meal, they're going to have to make a new Bracha on every cup that comes in front of them, because we consider it that they didn't have in mind that they were going to be drinking wine later on. Etran Ami. This is stated as well. Amar Rav Bar-Rachana, Amar, Amar Rav he also said this, it's only, this is only true when it's Shabbos and Yom Tov, we assume that, that the person is sitting down to, when he drink wine, he's going to be having a mind to drink wine at later times in the meal as well, and therefore the first blessing on wine will exempt the later meals, later, later cups of wine. He also brings two other cases, when people are leaving the bathhouse and when people are leaving the blood letter. Why? When you leave the blood letter you need to drink some wine to get back your strength and when you leave the bathhouse, also you drink wine to get back your strength and therefore everybody does that and therefore as soon as you sit down to eat your meal it's understood and you have in mind that you're going to be drinking wine during that meal. The rest of the year you make a bracha on each cup of wine individually because like I said you did not have them in mind when you initially made Kiddush or not Kiddush when you initially made He went up to the house of Rava Bichol during the weekday. He saw that he made a bracha on wine before eating hamaiti and he made a bracha on wine after eating Hamayitzi. He said, this is what you, what you did is correct. And then he said, and this is what and Levi said as well, that this is what you should do during the week. You should make a separate bracha on each cup. Bar Yosef came to the house of Abaya on Tov, and he sees that he's making a bracha on each cup of wine, which contradicts what we said before. Did you not agree with the and Levi that when you're drinking a cup of wine on Tov and Shabbos, you should have having a mind at the beginning is going to exempt you from later brachas? So why are you making a bracha on each cup? He says, I, I, maybe, yeah, if you actually have a mind, but I wasn't planning on drinking any more wine, then later on I changed my mind. Since I wasn't planning on drinking any more wine, even though it was Shabbos and Tov, I... Took myself out of the general principle, and therefore I do have to make a bl- uh, another bracha later on if I have wine at a later point in time. So the, the question is like this: If wine only comes to them during the meal, they did not make kiddush on wine beforehand. They make kiddush on bread, let's say, and they didn't have any wine before the meal. Now all of a sudden, somebody brings wine during the meal, and they make a they make a very because that's what you have to do, right? But washing for bread only exempts you from all other blessings. It does not exempt you from yayin, even if the yayin comes in the middle of the meal. You have to make a separate bracha on wine. So the wine comes in the middle of the meal and they make their separate blessing on the wine. So does that exempt you from the wine that comes after the meal? Right? So do we say... Do we say that that exempts you from the wine that you're going to be drinking after the meal? The Gemara is going to explain what's its two possibilities. Do we say that it's the exact same thing as the regular wine that you drink before the meal, that since you had in mind you're going to be drinking wine later, it exempts you from all other wine? Or do, in which case, you would not make a bracha even on the later wine, even though you only made a bracha in the middle of the meal. Or do we say that drinking wine in the middle of the meal is not your typical drinking wine. When you drink wine in the middle of the meal, you're just drinking wine to help wash down the food. And therefore, maybe that's not going to cover you for the wine that you're gonna drink at the end of the meal. Or do we say Maybe you'll say that that which drinking wine before the meal exempts you from the wine that you're drinking at the end of the meal. That's because they're both drinking. They're both drinking for the sake of, the, of drinking the wine. So therefore, they're similar enough that drinking one and making a bracha on one is going to exempt you from the second one. But over here, where the wine came to the middle of the meal. And the wine at the middle of the meal, you're only drinking the wine to wash down the food. Then, therefore, that maybe that won't exempt you from the wine that you're drinking at the end of the meal that's drunk for the pleasure and the taste of the wine. Where it says, or do we say it doesn't make a difference? Rav Amar Rav says it also exempts you from the later Bracha, Rav Amar Paiter, Rav says it is not exempt from the later Bracha, Rav Nachman Amar Paiter, Rav says you are exempt, Rav Shejus Amar Ene Paiter, Rav Huna, Rav Yihuda, Rav Amar Ene Paiter then all the students of Rav said that it does not exempt you from the wine later on. So what happens when you drink wine in the middle of the meal? Does that also exempt you from the wine later? It says that if wine comes to, in our Mishnah, it said that if wine first comes to them in the middle of the meal, then each person should make their own bracha. La'achra, the wine that comes at the end of the meal, one person should make a bracha for everyone. So what we're trying to say is like this. It sounds, sounds like even though the wine came to you in the middle of the meal, and each person made their own bracha on the wine. But later on, when the wine comes at the end of the meal, they still have to make another bracha. And just over there, one person can make the bracha for everybody. So it sounds like wine that comes in the middle of the meal. You do have to make a bracha at the end of the meal as well. Amar this is what they said. You have to explain the mission like this. If the wine had not come to them during the meal at all, only after the meal, then one person makes the bracha for everybody. So we're not talking about the same case. We're talking about two separate cases. One case is where wine comes in the middle of the meal. Each person makes their own bracha. And another case where the wine had not come in the middle of the meal. Because had the wine come in the middle of the meal maybe they wouldn't have to make a bracha at all. If the wine did not come in the middle of the meal, then the wine at the end of the meal, one person makes a bracha for everyone. And just as a piece of good advice, if one does not want to put themselves into this type of question at all, just make sure you drink wine before the meal, during the meal, and at the end of the meal, and then you're good, as long as you make a bracha and the wine before the meal. And in truth, that if you do this even during the weekdays, and you actually have in mind that you're going to be drinking wine in the middle of the meal during the weekdays, that wine at the beginning of the meal will exempt you from all the rest of the wine as well. So the Gemara asks like this, be opinion, who says that it doesn't exempt you from even the porridge, what's he referring to exactly? Be Shammai is he arguing on the first statement of the Mishnah? Or is he arguing on the second statement of the Mishnah? What does this mean? The first position of the Mishnah state, states that if you make a bracha on bread, it exempts you from the appetizers. It certainly exempts you from the porridge, which is even less of a important food. And therefore, and then what we would say is, Beshameh is arguing on that point, this is how we would say it. We would say, Beshameh is saying that for sure not, not just when you're coming to, when you made a bracha on bread, and now you're coming to eat an appetizer, that the bread is not going to exempt the appetizer, but even on a case of just Maisek of just porridge, even on that, bread is not going to exempt it. That's Beshameh's position, that's one, one possibility. Or do we say It's coming on the second part of the Mishnah. It says that if you make a brach on the appetizer, you do not exempt the bread. So, it sounds like, but making a blessing on the parparas, on the appetizers, would actually exempt you from making another blessing on parage. It's just bread that wouldn't exempt you from, but to make a blessing on the parparas, I'm um, sorry, to make a blessing on the appetizer would exempt you from porridge. Maybe that's what Beshami is arguing about. But obviously, Bishamah is coming to argue and say, And Beshami then comes to argue and say that even even on the porridge, the blessing on the on the appetizer will not exempt you from making a blessing on porridge. The Gemara says, "Take you." We're not sure which possibility it is. right. In the second possibility, what Bishamah would agree to is that if you made a bracha on if you made a bracha on bread, it would exempt you from my Meisikadera, right? and it might even exempt you from papara. So Shammah's not arguing about making a bracha on bread. He's only arguing about when you only made a bracha on the appetizer, does that exempt you from the uh, the maizikadeira at all? That would be the two possibilities. And the Gemara ends off, we don't know what the halach is about, what what exactly the Shammah's position is over there. The Mishnah finishes by telling us that everybody's sitting together, one person does not make a bracha for everybody. Each person makes their own individual bracha. If everybody's reclining together, then one person makes the bracha for everybody. The Mishnah says, only if you're reclining. There are 10 people walking in the road. Even though all of them are eating from one loaf of bread, each person eats, each person makes its own blessing. If they sit down to eat together, then even if each is seen from their own individual loaf of bread, each one person makes one person makes a bracha for everybody. So we see over here, Katani, Yashfu. We see that we're talking about a case of sitting. Even though they're not reclining, and still one person makes a blessing for everybody. What happened is each they're they're walking together on the road, and they're all have the same intentions. And then they say, you know what, let's all go sit down over here and we're going to eat our bread together. In that case, where they all sit down together, that is also considered to be setting up a su'uda, a su'uda eskeva, a su'uda that all of them are eating in together with the intent of eating together and therefore one person can make a bracha for everybody. when Rav passed away, azli talmidam basri, when Talmidam went after him, ki'hadri amri, dank so it happens like this, after Rav died, his Talmidim were sitting down and eating food together, right after he died. And they were sitting down and they were eating, but they were not reclining. And the question was, well, we all, we all decided to come sit down together and eat the food in one place. Does that also qualify as being similar to a reclining situation, and we would make one bracha for everybody, or does it have to be specifically reclining? And if you're not reclining, you do not make one bracha for everybody. They didn't know the answer. Come, So he had already, he tore, he already tore kriya. He had already tore a, a ripped in his garment as part of the mourning process for Rav, for his Rebbe Muvik, for his, 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 uh, his main Rebbe, that if, if the main Rebbe dies, you tear kriya. So they had tore kriya. And he tears crepe in the back of his garment now, and he says, "Amar He says, "Rab has passed away. We don't even know the laws of making a bracha on on food. Even that we haven't learned from him yet." Ada Asa until an old person came. Ramaluhu Masnisan Abraisa he. He put together, this person also put together the mission against the B'risa. Our mission had said that only if you're reclining. The B'risa said that if you have 10 people walking on the road and they say, let's go eat food in this specific location, then it does exempt them. And he explained to them, He says that since you guys all said, let's go sit down and eat our food, then it is also considered like reclining and indeed making a bracha. One, one person can make a bracha to exempt all the rest of them from that bracha. And that is the halakha as well, that as long as you're all sitting down together with the intent of eating a meal together, one person makes the bracha for everybody else. Take care. Good job.